This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. 20 years ago, when Newsweek was still in print, a Newsweek editorial was titled, The Future Be Damned. It's a piercing, if not scathing, observation of the growing propensity of we Americans to live for today without consideration for tomorrow and the generations to follow. The author concludes, quote, We won't endure small hurts today to avoid larger hurts tomorrow, and we know it. Self-deception has become a way of life, unquote. Who would have ever believed that that would come from an otherwise liberal news magazine that's become more liberal over the years that have passed. So we have to pray that that's not going to be the epitaph of our country. The reality is, friends, that you and I are writing the script of America's future right now. With every word, every decision, every thought, every act, for good or ill, yes, even our very viewpoints, we are either rebuilding our foundations or bringing further decay. And Every single one of us plays a part and, unfortunately, bears the consequences. So here's the situation, and you know this because you've been listening to this program for long, for a long time. History is now rolling up like a scroll. We have to reassess our moments of destiny. Did we, as a nation, recognize and respond to the divine hand in history, as our founders talked about? Did you and I grasp the moment of grace that's been extended to us. As Harriet Beecher Stowe once wrote in Uncle Tom's Cabin, a moment of grace has been extended to us. Really? So the reality is that this is the greatest opportunity that you and I have ever had to personally make a difference. And I hope you're going to begin today as we have our conversation with a special guest, Floyd Brown, joining us from Phoenix, Arizona. The seriousness of our nation's dilemma is not going to permit one more moment of delay. Every day is critical, and your life counts on it. I want to remind you of the words of uh, a famous gentleman back in not-so-jolly old England, Edmund Burke, when he said, I am only one, but I am one. I can't do everything But I can do something, and what I can do, I should do, and by the grace of God, I will do. I hope that's your commitment today as we chat together with Floyd Brown concerning his book, Counterpunch. Friends, you're listening to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chrismeyer. It's conversation with ever-increasing conviction. Talk that transforms. And if God could begin rebuilding America from the inside out, would you let him begin with you? Mm-mm-mm. All right. Floyd, it's good to have you on the program, my friend. It's great to be with you. And as you were doing that introduction to the program, I couldn't help think about the path that I myself took to uh, writing this book. And mm-hmm. it was about me pleading out with God, what can I do, dear Jesus? And, uh, you know, he gave me the opportunity to write this book 
And what people don't understand often is the power that they have right around themselves to influence and to impact culture and people. And I often say, if we're going to take back America, if we're going to save America, it will literally be by block by block, street by street, town by town, with each of us occupying the territory for Jesus Christ that's right around us. Well, isn't that what Jesus said we should do? Occupy till he comes? Absolutely. And, yeah. and uh, those of us that are part of the remnant are doing that, and we're calling others to do that with us. Well, what you did not know, uh, Floyd, is that uh, in 1992, the Lord spoke to my heart uh, after 20 years of law practice there in California as a trial attorney. He just said, son, you've been pleading the cause of men long enough. I want you to plead my cause in the land as a voice to the church, declaring vision for the nation, America's greatest crisis hour here on the near edge of the second coming. I said, yes, sir. We formed Save America Ministries uh, there in 1993. And uh, in May of 1995, we launched this radio program. We've been on the air now for 28 years, every single day, confronting the deepest issues of America's heart and home from God's eternal perspective. So that gives you a little bit of background where I'm coming from. And by the way, the words that I shared with you in the opening came from the last chapter in my book, Renewing the Soul of America, that was written 21 years ago. 21 years ago. And uh, it sounds like it was written for this very moment, doesn't it? Uh, It does. It sounds like it was really prophetic in its writing. 20 years ago. Yeah, and that's why 38 national Christian leaders endorsed it. 38 national Christian leaders all across the land endorsed that book, Renewing the Soul of America. And uh, friends, by the way, uh, before we get into things deeper with Floyd Brown, uh, you if you're not familiar with that book, you can get it right there on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org, Renewing the Soul of America, one person at a time, beginning with you. Floyd. And, and- And this message is so important because still only about 60% of Christians, self-identified Christians, are even registered to vote. That's astounding. And and, and of of those, less than half of them will vote in the next election. And we could literally change America overnight if the Christian church was to obey Christ and occupy where they're at, and do that by being part of the public square and influencing their own communities. One of the problems that we have, uh, and I think it was it was kind of revealed by a strange voice, Naomi Wolf, who is a liberal, uh, she said, we're seeing and being reminded that we are truly engaged in a spiritual battle in a dark age, a battle to reclaim so much of what we've lost. Uh, For her to say this is a spiritual battle is a pretty interesting thing because it's very hard to get that understanding out there, even in many of our churches. Yes. Uh, No, and I I heard that when she said it and wrote it, and it, it is sometimes people that aren't on the front lines almost see the battle clearer than, than those of us that are fighting it. This is clearly a spiritual warfare, and you see it really well with the, what I would call the, the uh, demonic transgender 
agenda, mm-hmm. which, uh, you know, is not new to the globe. Everybody always says, says these things are, are, are new. No, um, there was a, a Greek goddess of sex that was, quote, transgender. And, you know, th- this kind of sin uh, has gone on throughout human history. But, uh, you know, we as Christians are called to clean it up and to, you know, renew and occupy our communities and not allow it to go on. Well, there we go, Uh, friends. We're occupying till he comes. And uh, Floyd and I have so much more to talk about here on the program today. You're going to want to get a copy of his book, Counterpunch. An Unlikely Alliance of Americans Fighting Back for Faith and Freedom. $18 is going to put the book in your hands. It's on our website, saveus.org. Saveus.org. We'll be right back after this. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. Our special guest today is uh, Floyd Brown with his book, Counterpunch, An Unlikely Alliance of Americans Fighting Back for Faith and Freedom. We'll look together at what that unlikely alliance is in just a few moments. But let me just uh, remind us all of a fellow by the name of Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan, before he rode into the political sunset, said, Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-thought lessons of how they are in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. We're on the near edge of the fulfillment of that right now, friends, the total loss of freedom. So in some respects, we could call this final warning here today on Viewpoint. Hate to put it in such uh, dramatic terms, but there is a sense in which there has to be a, a note of finality. You either get to it or you don't. You either uh, begin to do what God wants us to do or not. We either repent or we don't. There's no more putting things off, no more dilly-dallying around, no more rationalizing that the other guy is always the problem. No, God says, it's my people. If my people will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their own wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. Now, you may say, well, that was just a promise to Israel, okay? Are you, are we grafted in? By implication, it becomes a promise to us. We can either seize it or discard it. We have a choice. The choice is ours, and we're here giving perhaps a final notice. Uh, Floyd Brown joining us here from Phoenix, Arizona. It's mighty hot there. 
and uh, things are getting hot all over this country, and I'm not talking about physical heat. I'm talking about moral and spiritual heat. We are nearing the heat of Sodom and Gomorrah, I think, Floyd. Well, before we went to the break, I was talking about uh, transgenderism, and there's a school district in Phoenix. It's called the Washington School District that was captured by a group of transgender activists. Mm. In fact, the head of the school board, she doesn't even, she doesn't identify as a woman. She doesn't identify as a man. She identifies as a cat, and she wears little kitty ears to the school board meeting. Mm. But uh, all of this uh, came flooding out to the public knowledge when they canceled a contract they had with Arizona Christian University to accept student teachers as interns in the district. And they mm. said, we don't, we don't want any more of those student teacher interns from Arizona Christian University because we've made a formal decision to no longer hire Christians as teachers in our school district. Wow. And, uh, and so, um, you know, a lot of people ask me, well, how in the world did these transgender activists get such a lock on this school district when, in fact, there's no less than four megachurches in that school district, any one of which, had they engaged with the culture, had they been involved, they could have easily controlled that school district election. But the problem was the Christians didn't show up so the transgenders started educating and having control over the education of the young people in that district. Well, it's interesting because I did spend nine years as a public school teacher in California from 1967 until 1975. And those were the years of the most dramatic change in American educational history ever. Uh, on the back of the sexual revolution and uh, the Vietnam War and all of the rejection of authority uh, that took place. So I experienced it from the inside out, uh, Floyd, right there in California. And uh, there's so many things that I could share in detail as to about how this took place. But uh, it didn't happen in a vacuum. And increasingly, what, what happened was at the end of the 1960s, the Christian churches of America, particularly the evangelical churches, starting in California, began what, what I call the God is love movement. Now, yes, God is love. He said God is love. But he's also truth and justice and judgment. And... uh what happened was we abandoned the concept of the fear of the Lord in the 1970s, the early 1970s, and that precipitated a moral and spiritual slide to where feelings became the Lord of the realm. Faith went out, feelings took over. So feelings then defined what was truth, what was right, what was God's will, Everything was about feelings. Well, now you even see. In, even, in, even in the Christian church. Oh, especially in the Christian church. Especially. That's what launched the divorce movement in the Christian church, right there in Southern California. And that which was launched the uh, serial uh, adultery movement with remarriage. All of it was based upon feelings. And because of that, 
the homosexual movement then by the mid-1980s began to gain traction and people were giving favor more or less to that and trying to uh, conform and coddle. And then on the end of that came the transgender, uh, transgender movement and now bestiality, pederasty, all of these other uh additional letters of the LGBTQ plus uh, agenda. This did not happen accidentally. It didn't happen in a vacuum, and the church facilitated it. Well, and it has to break your heart because now they're engaged in the rampant sexualization of children with their eye on sexually abusing these children. Yeah. And, uh, in fact, um, you know, one of the, one of the things I talk about quite a bit in my book is the border, and and you know, the elites, the globalists don't respect borders. But one of the reasons they don't like borders is because uh, it's often a place where sexual trafficking can be exposed, and they want to be able to traffic um, girls, boys, and others through uh, the border. And they don't want any hindrance to doing that, and it's 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 quite evil. You know, people talk about reparations for slavery from uh, before the Civil War, but we have more slaves on the globe right now than at any time in human history. And well, Americans are totally enslaved to their feelings. Yeah. Well, but I mean, there's many many people right here in America that are in sexual slavery right right today as we're talking. And we're not doing anything about it. Law enforcement's turning a blind eye. Um, the chaos at the border is facilitating it. The Mexican cartels are deeply involved in it. And uh, it's, uh, it, 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 it is very evil. There have to be borders. Uh, you have to have borders in your family. The church has to have borders. But we've cast out the borders everywhere. Everything goes and uh, it's it's unfortunate, but it's a much broader picture than just our southern border. Uh, it's a spiritual border problem uh, beginning uh, and, and iterating now into the political realm and so many other aspects. I have some questions for you, Floyd. Uh, you were the former CEO of USA Radio Network. I was. Yeah. So... Uh, you were involved with one of the founders of uh, Christian Radio, weren't you? Yes, Marlon Maddox. Marlon Maddox, that's right. And uh, yeah. so, a great, a great man, a wonderful leader, uh, and he died a very untimely and tragic death. And then you took over. Uh, well, I took over, yes. Uh, a, a few years after that, I took over and, and ran it for a while. And mm-hmm. then, uh, you know, later um, uh, left that and uh, uh, have been, you know, mostly writing books now. And part of why I bought it was because Marlon Maddox, through his radio show, uh, was very instrumental in making my very first book a bestseller. He used to have me on the radio all the time, mm. and uh, it the book was Slick Willie, Why America Cannot Trust Bill Clinton. I wrote it back in 1992. And that's where and that, that term was, came from, Slick Willie. <laughs> uh, and, uh, 
Well, confession's good for the soul, Floyd. (laughs) (laughs) And I I was always very appreciative of, 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 of the work that uh, he did in radio. He was a real pioneer. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. Now, uh, you also, uh, you founded the Conservative Western Journal website. And uh, what I've noticed is that uh, when I do a lot of research on the web and I come across uh, my friends Joseph Farah and and Kapalian and so on on World Net Daily, they frequently cite uh, the Western Journal. And almost all those articles are very worth uh, worthwhile uh, looking at, and I've used them here on this program. What got you started in that, the Western Journal? Well, I actually um, uh, was a radio host for a number of years, and after I was no longer on the radio, I started blogging when um, things would get on my mind, and and I didn't really have a microphone anymore that I could talk into and so i uh i started blogging and and it was from that personal blog that western journal grew in 2008 my son recommended i start posting my commentaries on facebook and mm-hmm. they uh just kind of the whole website grew along with facebook and and uh uh it uh you know demanded more content than i could write so before i know knew it we were Hiring, hiring other writers and hiring other people that were working on uh, the website. And it just grew and grew, and God blessed. Mm. And uh, we're very fortunate. We produce today about 30 to 35 written articles every day, seven days a week. And we do it from a conservative and Christian perspective. Well, that's what I appreciate about it. And I want to give you personal uh, kudos for the work that you do. Uh, I'm... I, I very much appreciate it. It's hard to find uh, genuine sites that provide legitimate news and direction with uh, a Christian orientation, and uh, I, I appreciate what you do. In the introduction to your book, you you uh, ask the question, how might you bring down a country? How might you bring down a country? And I kind of want to focus on some of the aspects of that as we get back from this upcoming break, uh, because that's exactly what's happening. And there are many reasons, there are, there are many sources for this, but I want to, I want to get your own, um, your own viewpoint concerning it. But you say there are extremes of a plan that go to the depths of depravity, uh, to bring our country, country down. And we wanted to talk not just about whether or not there are efforts being made to bring the country down, but why? That's the question almost nobody wants to deal with. Why? Not what, not who, not where, not when, but why? Because if we don't uh, deal with the why question, question, we're not... I love to answer that question. That's my favorite question. All right. Well, that's wonderful. And we're going to get to that uh, after this upcoming break. Friends, we're talking about with Floyd Brown. Uh, He is uh, the author of Counterpunch, an unlikely alliance of Americans fighting back for faith and freedom. And uh, I I want to say this uh, before we go further, that if we think that we can just fight for freedom, 
without restoring genuine biblical faith, we're living in a fool's paradise. We just are. We're living in a fool's paradise because what is happening uh, in the area of the destroying of the country from the inside out is a soul-destroying platform and agenda. It has to do with the very soul of the nation. Maybe that's the reason why 21 years ago I came out with a book, Renewing the Soul of America, One Person at a Time, beginning with you. It's on our website, saveus.org. But today we're talking with Floyd Brown concerning his book, Counterpunch. It's a $20 book, yours for $18, on our website, saveus.org. You can call us, 1-800-SAVE-USA. You can write to us at Save America Ministries. P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. How do you bring a country down and why? Why would anyone want to bring down the United States of America? We'll be right back. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example... Under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. SaveUS.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at SaveUS.org. Also, A Letter to Pastors, The Hosea Project, SaveUS.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, SaveUS.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archived. Save America Ministries website at SaveUS.org. What a delight it is to join you every single day, Monday through Friday, here for the past 28 years to confront the deepest issues of America's heart and home from God's eternal perspective. The World Economic Forum founder, Klaus Schwab, argued for a new stakeholder capitalism to replace the old system of free enterprise. And here's what he says. Listen carefully. To achieve a better outcome... The world must act jointly and swiftly to revamp all aspects of our societies and economies, from education to social contracts and working conditions. Every country, from the United States to China, must participate in every industry, from oil and gas to tech, must be transformed. In short, we need a great reset of capitalism. And he says, to have that happen is going to require us to integrate all stakeholders of global society into a common, a community of common interest, purpose, and action, commonly referred to as a world government, friends. That's what it is. Now, why would he say that we must jointly act and swiftly move to replace the system that has been set in place in the United States of America the most successful in the history of the world, founded spiritually, why would he say we need to replace all of that in order to have real prosperity? What say you, Floyd Brown? 
Well, first of all, I think that this is the final battle between the globalists and those of us that believe in a nation state. You have to realize the Bible talks about nations all the time. And uh, basically, God's systems for governance was through nations. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he pulled the nation of Israel out of the land of Egypt, and he gave it three things. He gave it a religion, he gave it a culture, but he gave it borders more specifically. And people are safe in nations. They 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 have common experiences in nations. And, and you know, we can easily share our Christian beliefs in our nation of America. But globalists, um, they want to, they have always, uh, and you have to realize, globalism is not new. The first global dictator was Nimrod. He's in mm-hmm. Genesis. True. And you have, um, you know, Pharaoh at his time was a global dictator. Pharaoh ruled the world when yep. God pulled the nation of Israel out of Egypt. The Caesars, they ruled the world. Alexander Great ruled the world. And when you have these type of global empires, often what happens is the guy at the top declares himself God, as Caesar declared himself God. And I believe that this final global empire really is what the book of Revelation calls the beast system. Mm-hmm. It is the final um you know, clash between good and evil. And, you know, I remember as a small child when my grandfather would teach me about uh, uh, the book of Revelation at end times, and it seemed so incomprehensible there would ever come a day Mm -hmm. when a single person could control every financial transaction on the globe. But now, today, we face a reality where that is possible through, um, you know, central bank digital currencies and the amount of control that has come as a result of artificial intelligence and supercomputing. So today, I believe we literally stand at the cusp of a global empire, empire, and the only thing, the bulwark that stops that is the United States of America. Mm -hmm. Because they can't have globalism as long as we have our country, America, because we're too powerful for them to just roll over us and create a global empire. So in other so words, what they've got to do... Go, go ahead. That's why globalists are always attacking America. And it's not just Democrats. There are many globalist Republicans. I, I talk about that in um, my book. I mean, one of the first things you have to understand about politics is there is, in fact, a uniparty. And that uniparty does control Washington, D.C., and it's not between Republicans and Democrats. And you see it all the time. I I say, don't listen to what politicians say. Watch what they do. Mm -hmm. Much of the debate up in Washington, D.C. is really, um, you know, it's kabuki theater. It's fake. Mm -hmm. But then they all come together with things like supporting a war in Ukraine or, uh, you know, Obamacare. Remember how the Republicans said, oh, we're going to repeal Obamacare. We're going to repeal Obamacare Mm -hmm. until they had the power to repeal Obamacare. And then refused. And what did they do? They didn't do it. And Obamacare enshrines abortion, which is morally wrong. And yet the Republicans kept it. And at the same time, they say, hey, we're against abortion. 
No, they're not. If they can't repeal Obamacare, they're not against abortion. They're lying. Mm. Brother, I appreciate you're speaking uh, the truth, uh, not pandering to tender sensibilities out there. We've got to come to the place where we speak the truth and we own up to things the way they really are. And we've got to stop playing protection uh, and uh, playing, what should we say, touchy-feely nice uh, just to go along to get along. We've been doing that, uh, accommodating to, to wickedness and evil now for 60, 70 years, and we're seeing the net result of it. There's only, we have maybe one last opportunity uh, to slow this down, to stop it, and uh, ultimately we know from biblical prophecy the global empire is going to take place. So why should we do anything about it today? Well, because we want to have America continue so that we can continue to reap the harvest that God sent us out to to reap. Mm-hmm. America has saved more people around the globe by sending missionaries, by uh, paying for all kinds of hospitals and clinics and what have you, where the word of Jesus Christ went hand in hand with the love of Jesus Christ through the generosity of Americans. And for that to continue, then we've got to be free to be able to to fund those things, but also to speak the love of Christ to people and to share our faith. And the minute they take our ability to share our faith from us, then uh, that's probably very close to the end. And I, for one, you know, I'm called to occupy it. You know, I know in the end Christ wins, and I'm grateful for that. But between now and then, Christ has called me to be his ambassador to this culture, and I want to call it out for the kind of uh, uh, culture it is. And, you know, you're right. Sin is everywhere. Christians need to, to repair to a banner of holiness, And we've got to come out of the world, and we've got to show that there is a difference through the renewing of our mind in Jesus Christ. Absolutely, and it it brings us to a word, uh, it's a four-letter word, that uh, has been rejected now for about 15, 20 years in our country, in the church. It's called obey. Uh, I cannot tell you how many pastors... Well, exactly. But I can't tell you how many pastors and parachurch leaders in the last five years have admitted on this program that the word obey is the most hated word among Christians today. Yeah, well, I'm I'm I, for one, am dedicating myself to obeying the word of God and to obeying Jesus Christ Mm. and to obeying um, uh, what what is, you know, our duty to go out and change America. So I'm into I'm into obeying. <laughs> okay, well I I'm I'm glad to hear that. And and I I'm glad to be able to call you brother. Uh we're talking as brothers here uh today to uh a jury of our peers, primarily Christians in America. Every day when I come on this program, I I feel like I'm pleading an ultimate cause to a jury of my peers, particularly professing Christians in America. That's God's warmest audience. And all the warnings of Scripture are to 
professing Christians or to the Jewish people. All of them. One of the things, yeah, one of the things I say at a lot of the events I speak at is if you want to save America, then get yourself closer to Jesus. Mm. If you want to be, if you want to be his tool, get closer to him, spend more time with him. Another thing I say is if you want to be able to understand the news, turn off the news and read scripture because scripture gives you the ability to discern what's happening in the news. There you go. Brother, you're a, you're a man after my own heart. I'll tell you, it's so good to chat with you. And, uh, you know, here we're, we're giving what you might say a final warming. You know, God is a God of uh, due process. Did you know that? He, 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 he is. In fact, he gave us the justice system of due process. And in fact, he said that the Lord God would do nothing but that he first would give the warning through his servants, the prophets. And so there's a sense in which that's what we're doing here today on this program, isn't it? And, and I believe that. And just as I said earlier, your, your, your book over 20 years ago was prophetic, speaking into the culture. And we could see all the signs 20 years ago. But, um, you know, and there's been people that have been calling to wake up. But, but for some reason, the church is asleep and people are asleep and they've got to wake up because we are in the final hour. And this is not you know, hyperbole. This is the truth. It is the final hour. Mm -mm -mm. That is absolutely right. You say uh, several things need to happen uh, if we're to succeed. And the first one uh, that you did not state in your book that I could see, the first one is we have to get closer to the Lord. We have to obey his word. We have to repent. It has to begin in the heart of God's people. From pulpit to pew, that's where it has to start. And if it doesn't start there, we're just totally hypocritical. Totally hypocritical. God cannot work with us, just like he could not work with Israel when they were in rebellion. No, but 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 when did he work with Israel? He worked when Ezra and Nehemiah came back and rebuilt the temple and rebuilt the walls. And what did they do at the time? Nehemiah rebuilt, told people to rebuild the section of the wall nearest your home. There you go. We'll be right back after this break, friends. Stay tuned. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church.
I'm so delighted, friends, that you've uh, joined us here on Viewpoint as we talk about, uh, what should we say, kind of like a final warning, uh, God's due process uh, for America. God is a God of due process, and he will not do anything. Uh, He will not uh, judge until he's given adequate warning, has been given that adequate warning now for approximately 40 to 50 years. Our guest today... By the way, I... Go ahead. I I just want to... I don't want to interrupt, but I just want to say I love that commercial about the cell church, because one of the things I've been talking about is that I believe God is going to call us back to what I call micro churches. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, you call them cell churches, but we are we are going probably into a period where Christianity is going to be persecuted, and as we go into that, um, we cannot forsake the fellowship of believers, and mm-hmm. we're going to have to do it in our homes, by our hearth, with our friends, in our family, in our communities, and that's one of the reasons why I'm calling people to get to know their neighbors again. They need to know their neighbors. They need to express the love of Christ to their neighbors next door and down the street. And that's how we will re-knit and rebuild America. Well, that's uh, what we wrote about in our book, The Power of Hospitality. An open heart, open hand, and open home will change your world. And uh, my wife and I wrote that book years ago. It's been a fundamental message for us. And by the way, Uh, We have uh, basically moved away from the word cell church to the word house church, and uh, we have had that for 30 years. 30 years. And I think that's that's the future. That is the future of the body of Jesus Christ, because we found that these megachurches have been an absolute failure. You know, having people show up for an hour on Sunday— with no one knowing one another, no one involved in one another's lives, mm-hmm. hasn't led to the type of Christian church that's impacted our community. In fact, our communities have continued to fester and die as the mega churches have gotten bigger. You know, it's interesting because uh, I've had a particular passion for men for many, many years, uh, going back to my days in law practice, where I was the uh, chairman for the Christian Businessmen's Committee there in Pasadena, California, for 10 years. And uh, discipling men has been a big deal. And I I believe that men have abandoned their role in large measure uh, in the church and spiritual leadership in the home. And one of the things that we've been doing in a practical way, uh, Floyd, is for 28 years we have had a monthly breakfast for men. And uh, that breakfast uh, lasts for two hours. It is serious. Uh, Men come not just for the great food, but for the fellowship and the the confrontive word of God that is encouraging and strengthening them. And guess what? They're coming from over a 90-mile diameter area just for that two hours. People want truth. People want the message of Jesus Christ. They want the Word of God. And they'll search and search and search until they find that truth. Yeah. Okay. Well, you tell us that we've got to get in the ring. We've been talking about the necessity for spiritual leadership, for uh, uh, coming clean with God, for repentance and walk in holiness. But then there's also the aspect you talk about connecting with our neighbors, uh, 
you talk about distributing uh, literature, obtaining signatures, and so on. And I think one of the travesties uh, that you mentioned early on is that in the political realm, you say only 60% of professing Christians are registered to vote, and only half to two-thirds of them actually do vote. I think that is actually a sin in a nation like this. Yeah, it is It is a sin, and it's a sin of not obeying Scripture, because, as you said, Jesus called us to occupy, and we have a stewardship element um, as a result of our citizenship, and part of that is being a steward of our communities, steward of, steward of our families, steward of the schools near us. We have a stewardship responsibility, and we're not living up to it. I think that's the right word, stewardship. And that brings us, as the Holy Spirit would move in your mind and your heart, to do various things on a practical basis, to be involved, to do what you can, to bloom where you're planted, uh, so that your life is not just lived at a, shall we say, a superficial or hyper-spiritual level, but it's translated into practical behavior shoe level shoe leather absolutely that's that's and that's and i actually believe that people are more open today than they've been at any time in my lifetime because of how far the left and how hard the left is pushed you know there are what i would call mama bears waking up there's fathers waking up. There's people that don't like this sexualization of children. The left has gone just too far. And as a reaction to that, there's a lot of people that are open and listening, and they're open to the message of Jesus Christ. But we've got to share the love of Jesus. We've got to share that, uh, you know, he's standing there. He's knocking at the door. He wants to come into their lives, and he wants to transform them. And he wants to remake them and their families and their nations. Well, as we say regularly here, uh, Floyd, uh, we're not here to be information dispensers, but we're here about transformation. God never commanded us to be informed, but rather to be transformed. And that by the renewing of our minds, we might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I have a question for you. Do you have kids? Yes. How old are they? Uh, 38, 37, and 27. All right. And I have four grandkids. Well, good for you. Now, have you been training them in the manner in which you've been talking about to prepare the way of the Lord in their own hearts and lives for history's final hour? I have been, and um, I consider that really an important duty, and I'm, I'm very, very grateful that all three of my children are following the Lord, and um, my son, who has the four grandsons, he's raising them up in the Lord, and mm. we're very active in their lives, and, uh, and uh, uh, the, the, the four little boys love Jesus, too. Wonderful. Now, you're living in uh, Arizona. Are you in Phoenix? Yes. Are you in that famous uh, Mariposa County? Uh, I am. The infamous Mariposa County. County. Yeah, right. Yes, uh, the, the land of stolen elections. 
Wow. Uh, it's going to be interesting because what's happening there will affect the whole country. Uh, so we ought to be praying uh, there for uh, Carrie Lake and uh, the courageous manner in which she is uh, carrying on because the wickedness uh, has been shown there in the uh, political uh, nefariousness of of politics, yeah, of no, election she's, politics. She's, she's a she's a, a personal friend and a wonderful person and a and a and a fabulous uh, sister in Christ. Mm. She is uh, a believer, loves Jesus, and feels like she was called into politics as a result of her renewed um, spiritual awakening that came during COVID and reading the book of Timothy. She has a wonderful testimony about mm. how God uh, basically picked her up and took her out of the news business and put yeah. on her heart uh, 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 occupying and, and, and changing the country. Well, Floyd, so, you've uh, got to help me get in touch with her because I was just thinking today, uh, how important it would be to have Carrie on this program. Now, before we go further, we're, we're about to wrap up, and I want to go to uh, toward the end of your book. Uh, you say, first, we must stand firm for the principles that made America the remarkable country it has been. And, of course, the foundation of all of those was not capitalism. It was the word Richard. of God. That's the foundation. It wasn't capitalism. It was the word of God. Then, in his inaugural address as governor of California, Ronald Reagan made this statement, friends. Perhaps we have lived too long with this miracle to properly be appreciative. Appreciative. Uh, freedom is a fragile thing, and it's never more than one generation away from extinction. It's not ours by way of inheritance. It must be fought for and defended constantly by each generation, for it comes only once to a people, and those in world history who have known freedom and then lost it have never known it again. Reagan added a warning that is fitting for us today. The deterioration of every government begins with the decay of the principle upon which it was founded. So, it is our responsibility to teach the next generation. We can't outsource this job to schools, churches, television, or even books. We must do it ourselves. And it's time to speak the truth and stop compromising. Listen to these words from our guest today, right here at the, or the end of his book. He said, when people are divided from one another and made to hate, made to be afraid, and feel fear at their doorstep, they're easily controlled. Jesus gave us a sober reminder of this in this regard he said if a house is divided against itself it cannot stand indeed he's right a house divided against itself cannot stand and we've got to stop compromising with the world stop compromising with the world any further word on that floyd no um christ calls us to be courageous. He calls us to have a spirit of unity. He calls us to be holy. He calls us to put him as the only person on a list of one. We need to make him our priority, and as we make him our priority, he will remake and renew our lives, and he will put our country back. 
Thanks so much, Floyd, for what you have been doing, what you are doing, what your life represents, your testimony represents. Uh, It is a blessing, a privilege to have you join us here on the program today to bring, in a sense, uh, a final warning, uh, to bring a message of God's due process to a a nation that is languishing in deep, deep despair. And uh, this is our moment of truth. We're in the valley of decision, don't you think? Absolutely, and uh, thank you for everything that you do in this time, and I believe together America's going to get one more chance, and we're going to see a renewal, and we need to, as leaders, embrace that so that we can see this final harvest before the end. There it is, friends. Counterpunch. He says there's an unlikely alliance of Americans fighting back for faith and freedom. You can read the book and find out more about the details of that. We try to distill the most important aspects here, the aspects of the heart, because the heart of the matter is the heart. That's what it is from God's viewpoint. The heart of the matter is the heart. It doesn't begin with politics. Politics are the expression of the heart. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Mm -hmm. Get a copy of this wonderful book. $18 will put the $20 book in your hands. It's on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. You can give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA, 1-800-SAVE-USA, or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling, and I want to urge you to become a partner, friends. You see, this is something that you can do. You may not be able to be on the radio yourself. But you can help us get the message out. That's what a partnership means. That's what it means. So we don't receive. We do not accept commercial support for this program because when you do, they control what you say or don't say. Only God is control of that on this program. And with your support, it enables us to continue on the air Until Jesus says, no more, or until he comes. I hope you'll do that. Go to the website, saveus.org, make your generous gift that way. Call us, 1-800-SAVE-USA, write to us, become a monthly donor, and tell others about the program. Do it. Send them an email. Send them a text. Let's get involved to get the message out. God bless and be a blessing. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.